He's always working in the background. And, you know, maybe you've got a testimony of what God has done for you, how he's been working in the background, then all of a sudden, pop, he just surprises you with something. Anybody anybody had that happen to them recently? Or not so recently? That was an incredible testimony. You know, God is always working, always working in the background. I know, uh, you know, we've, we've been, you know, we own a mental health business and so we've been looking for clinicians and we always, we're six, eight weeks out just, you know, because we have so much to do and so few clinicians. And so last week, one of our clinicians resigned and we thought, wow, that's not the thing we needed. And so, uh, I was praying about that and the Lord said, uh, this is my doing. Don't you interrupt it. And so I said, I just got total peace. Now, this is a good person. There's nothing wrong with this person, but just wasn't, you know. And so, you know, that that very next day, I think it was, we had four applicants apply. And we see God's always working in the background. But let me tell you, when you give everything you're doing to God, God's going to establish it for you. And he's going to put the people there that he wants there, and he's going to take away the ones that he doesn't want there. And maybe it's just not the place for them. It's not that they're bad people. It just may not be the place for them, and it may not be the best for us. So God is always in the background working. And, you know, we can rest in that, can't we? We can rest in the fact that we know God is always working in the background if we have our lives committed to him. And I want you to stand. Does anyone, I don't want you to come forward. Does anyone today need prayer for healing? If if you stand, okay, Lana, stand up. And, okay, I want some of you prayer. Okay, Richard has skateboarded, as we know him, has stood up. Anybody else need prayer for healing? Okay. Miss Audie, stand up. And I'm going to ask some of the prayer warriors that believe it, that knows, okay, everybody that needs prayer. I want the rest of you to get around and just lay a hand on them. And we're going to pray and believe that, you know, the Bible says you lay hands on the sick and they recover, right? And this can be physical, emotional, spiritual, it can be whatever. We have Betsy Graham in the hospital who is, uh, you know, like, as far as I, they won't tell us anything, but as far as I know, she's okay at this point, but she's struggling. Yeah, we have Donna Gerlock at home sick with symptoms. We have Don and Roger Taylor home with sickness. We have Bill Birchfield still out with sickness. Donna Cassano is home with some problems. So, you know, we don't want to give these things too many names, do we? We just call them destroyed and, and null and void. That's what we call them. So, Father God, we thank you, Lord. Your word said we could lay hands on the sick and they would recover. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are the way maker, the miracle worker. And, God, we declare life, health, and wholeness in the life of every person here. We declare sickness to be gone in Jesus' name. We declare emotional and physical and mental stress to be gone in Jesus' name. We rebuke anxiety and depression in Jesus' name. We take authority over it. Lord, those that are away, that are not with us today, Father, we just ask you to touch their bodies, even in Becky Hammett. We ask you to touch her body and, and Bill's body, Donna Gerlock's body, Donna Cassano's body, Donna T's body, a lot of Donna's, Roger's body, Betsy Graham, Father, in the hospital room. We thank you, God, that you are God, that you are Jehovah Rapha, and we declare it to be done in Jesus' mighty holy name. Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to speak what we prayed, okay? Speak your healing. Speak your healing. God is good, isn't he? We should be the happiest people on the face of the earth. And we were told last, we were told today that some people want to get baptized next week, so we're going to have our baptismal pool. So if you have not been baptized since you have believed or even made a change, maybe you turned a new leaf in your life. You know, I've been baptized twice. I know some people have been baptized three or four times. What difference does it make, right? When you decide that you're going to make that change, I'm not speaking about anybody in particular, but whatever it takes, it takes, right? Whatever. His initials are Ron Smith, but we're not going to call any names. Hey, I'd, I'd rather you get baptized a half a dozen times than not. You know, that just tells me we're making progress, right? We're making progress with God. It's a, we're all a work in progress, are we not? I mean, I mean, I am definitely a work in progress. Ask my husband and he'll be sure to tell you that. Yeah. He said, amen. Yeah. So I want, I'm going to minister the word. Then we're going to do communion, but I just want you to be, I want you to be excited about life. 
Let me tell you, I said this last week and I meant it from the bottom of my heart. In 12 months, every person in here, you cannot even recognize where you're at today. Maybe even sooner than 12 months. By just putting some principles into place. I mean, I can't tell you where we were when God found us just kind of nowhere. And just immediately God made the change. Just by putting his word into place, putting principles into place. And, you know, the day that I decided, when he said to me so clearly, you've got to decide what you're going to believe. And I said, I'm going to believe your word even if I don't understand it. How many sometimes struggle understanding the word? We don't have to. We don't. Just believe it. We've said it a hundred times. I don't understand a lot of things. I don't understand how my car works or, or my TV. I don't have a TV that much, but uh, whatever else, a computer. But I know it works. And I turn it on, and I've got faith it's going to come on. And I've got faith that it's going to do what it's supposed to do. Well, I'm telling you, God will always do what he says he'll do. And you can take it to the bank, let me tell you. You can take it to the bank. So I'm going to begin my message today, and I think the children are going to go to kids' church. we got a lot out today, but let's please keep the ones that are out. We've got some on vacation, but keep all of those that are sick, and maybe some that aren't here. Oh, another one, uh, Rachel Byerly also needs prayer. Uh, for healing, for some issues that she has recently developed. So, so Lord, we just cover Rachel in that prayer as well. And we thank you, Father, for all that you're doing, all that you're doing. But I want to say that, aren't those kids awesome? Did you hear Emma blowing the shofar? Wow, that's awesome, isn't it? I tell you, train them up young, right? Got to get these kids doing what they what they've been destined to do. There you go, Christian. Chris, are you helping them today? Oh, you're awesome, man. I love that guy. Yes, he's awesome. He's a winner. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Well, I want to. I want to speak today. I was, you know, I told you I was going to be in Nehemiah for about four weeks, and you know, I told you I think, you know, I never know what God's going to say. Do I have a plan? And then God will say, Well, I really want you to do this. So this about Friday, Saturday morning, maybe. Saturday morning, I guess, I felt the Lord say, I want you to hold off on Nehemiah just temporarily. We'll get back to Nehemiah. But there's a lot of unrest and fear and anxiety in our nation. So much in our land. And and last year, I remember when the Lord spoke so clearly to me, and, he's, and just a verse, it was Luke 18, 80, said, Will the Son of Man find faith when he returns to the earth? And I never really thought about that before as I thought have thought about it over the past 12, 14, 16 months. Will Jesus find faith when he returns to the earth? And, you know, now we see the high level of fear. And fear is really, you know, negates faith. And and so we wonder, you know, with all the fear and anxiety that's going on, will Jesus find faith? But I believe the fear and the anxiety has increased with this virus variant that's out there and also what happened in Afghanistan. We're no longer a country respected. In a sense, I think our walls have fallen down. And do, you know, so many people say they don't have a sense of national security like they once had. And, and there's a lot of fear in our nation. I, I just did a little research and a UK study in 2020 showed significant increase in depression during the lockdown of COVID. Overall, it said the re- report suggests that COVID-19 pandemic is having multifarious af- uh, adverse effects on the mental health, especially of children and youth. Another study in the U.S. shows an increase in anxiety, depression, insomnia, and internet addiction since COVID. Homelessness and the inability to find workers for small businesses. We were in another city yesterday and we went into one of the local malls and many of the the key anchor stores aren't even opening till 11. They can't find workers. You know, some of the stores are closing down. They have cut off shifts because they can't find workers. And that's another stressor for business owners, especially. We have the threatened government mandates on vaccinations. So regardless of where you stand on that, uh, it's created a lot of stress for people as, as now they're enforcing that in some sectors and some businesses might be letting go of employees. I have a friend whose sister is a nurse who's going to be vested in January and she's given until September 21st to give, get the vaccination, which she is opposed to. So she's going to lose lots and lots of money and all of, you know, so you got, to, there's a lot of stress that's going on and, and you say, well, well, let's don't talk about that. We have to talk about that because we live in this every day of our lives. You know, we have to talk about what we live in and we live in this every single day of our lives. 
and sicknesses and deaths and family and friends and, and from COVID are on the increase. And yet the media still controls the narrative. And it's their own ungodly agenda. And so the church is feeling the pressure of believers who are struggling. Even I just, was it in uh, Charlotte? Uh, one of the churches, one of the larger churches in Charlotte, you know, they mandated in Charlotte that you have to wear a mask internal inside churches and all of this. And, you know, say, well, how do we worship God? How do we sing? And, and so there's, you know, this is it's, it's getting closer and closer to us. You know, we have to decide, what are we going to do? What line won't we cross? What boundary won't we cross? You know, when it comes to our own personal belief. Now, whether you believe or don't believe in a mask, that's up to you. I'm just saying you have the freedom to choose what you want to believe. Or we have had that. We have had that in the past. But Jesus said he would leave us his peace. And John 14, 27, he said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and peace of heart. And the peace I give is the gift the world cannot give. See, the world can't give us what Jesus wants to give us. He says, so don't be troubled or afraid. That's a directive. That's a command. You're saying, well, Jesus, have you looked down to see what we're going through? I have a feeling he knows, don't you? But, you know, regardless, he's still saying, don't be, don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. Don't be nervous. Do you know you can live above all of this as a believer? Isaiah 26, 3 says you will keep in perfect peace. All who trust in you, why? Because our thoughts are fixed on him and not on what the news is saying. Our thoughts are fixed on Jesus and not what the news is saying. If we fix our thoughts on what we hear on TV or the radio or Internet, I mean, we'd be a basket case, wouldn't we? We have to keep our thoughts on the promises. Philippians 4, 4 6 and 8 says, don't worry about anything. You know, this is, I've told you this before, but this was the first scripture the Lord ever told me to memorize. And, you know, my translation then said, don't be anxious about anything. And I put this on my refrigerator because, you know, I told you before, I was anxious about everything. And if I didn't, I'd find something to be anxious about. I just thought I was supposed to be anxious, you know. And and I could find some plenty. I mean, how many of you can find something to be worried about, right? You can. You can. But he says, don't be worried. Don't be anxious. He said, but instead, pray about everything. Take it before God. And then he said, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. See, if he's our way maker, if he's our provider, if he's our healer, he's already done that for us. We have to appropriate that into our lives. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. See, the thing is, we don't understand how he does it. We cannot understand how he does it. I know when I left my job in 1997 and I was making fairly decent income, so when you go from really good to zero, you know, you wonder, how's God going to work this out? But I felt he told me to do it. And we just, it just never seemed, we never missed a beat. I don't, I don't know. It was just, it was interesting. You think about just pulling your income out of your, out of your family budget, and you wonder, how in the world is God going to do this? But you know what? We were faithful. All right. We were faithful to what he said. He has a system of prosperity, by the way. Maybe we'll talk about that one day. But if you're not prospering, it's because you haven't plugged into his system of prosperity. And it'll work for anyone because it worked for me. It says, his peace will guard your hearts and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. This is so important, guys. If you're going to be victorious, you're going to, you're going to win or lose the battle here. If you think negativity, you're going to be in a negative, you're going to create a negative environment. I don't care where you are in life today. Begin to think about where you want to be and what God has promised you. See, he's promised you health and prosperity. That's what you think on. Okay, God, you've promised me prosperity. Now I need your plan to get there. I need your plan to get there. And God will give it to you because he's a God of his word. He never, he never lies. He never forgets his covenant that he has with us. And he says, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So don't think about the negative stuff. Think about the positive stuff. So finding peace in today's time, I just, just five little quick things. And we've talked about these a, a lot of times, but I just thought I'd just kind of enumerate them. Five, finding peace in, in today's time. These are just some facts that we have, that we have to be, we have to know. Number one is God is setting apart a people who know how to live above the disorder and dysfunction and the chaos in the world. God is calling a people to live above all this mess that's going on. 
Because when we're worried and concerned about all that's going on in our life, what we're, we're saying God's not enough. God is enough. God is enough. He can get you out of your mess. How many has God gotten out of their messes before? Most of us got our hands raised, right? We, God will get you out of your mess if you'll let him. But let me tell you, I'm going to give you one quick secret. you got to do it his way. I tried getting out of my mess my way, and it didn't work, right? I got into a messier mess. What's that? God doesn't bless your mess, but he'll bless his blessing. So number two, there's always a truth from God that is greater than the facts. We've said this a thousand times in here. The, tr- the fact might be that you have a sickness. The truth is God heals. The facts might be that you have zero dollars in your checking account. The truth is God provides. See, so we have to understand that there is a truth that, that, that supersedes the facts. And we have to always go to the scripture. And sometimes that's not easy to do when you have zero dollars in your checking account or even negative sometimes. Or maybe when your body is sick and you're hurting. And you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to, but, but see, there's a, there's a scripture that says, I'm the Lord God who heals all your diseases. I told you about, I think it was last weekend I woke up in the, about three in the morning and the Lord said, focus on building your immune system. And I, that's a word for everybody. God created these bodies to heal themselves. Now that doesn't mean we don't go to doc. I love doctors. We have friends that are doctors and doctors are wonderful people. And God gave them the knowledge they have. But let me tell you, let's fix it so we don't need to go to them. And I don't think it's going to hurt their feelings. Have you tried to get an appointment lately? It, they're booked out for, you know, for weeks sometimes. I don't think it's going to bother them if you just go ahead and take care of your own system, okay? So let's, let's do that. Number three, we have to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. We have to have ears. You've got to hear what God is saying to you. See, that's how God is going to direct you. Let's just say, okay, God, how am I going to get into prosperity? God's going to speak to you through the Spirit and tell you what to do. Go to this place. Go to that place. I'm giving you favor. The Lord told Terry just recently, he said, I put favor on this for you. And then you know what? The next day it happened. I put favor on this for you. And then it happened. I mean, it was substantial. Then it happened. So God, God is awesome like that. He'll, he'll create a way. He is a way maker. And he'll create a way. Number, number four, when we do not allow the circumstances of the world to have a hold on us, we operate in a supernatural Goshen blessing. Of protection and prosperity. Let me read that again. When we do not allow the circumstances of the world to control the way we think, the way we act, or to have a hold on our heart, our emotions, we operate in supernatural Goshen. We've said this since the last March of 2020. God said, You're Goshen people. You are land of Goshen people. What does that mean? Terry read last week what that means. That means you have divine protection, divine provision. From God. How many want to be Goshen people? Aren't we? Yes, we are Goshen people. And number five, and this might be something that's, um, we've talked about, we've talked about all of these, but you have to be instantly obedient to the now word God has given you. You have to be instantly obedient because there are seasons of time. There are seasons for opportunities. And if God is saying, go and do this, there's a window of time. There's a shelf life on that, that that thing is going to be productive for your life. So you've got to learn to hear what God is saying and act on it now when he tells you to. So, so we have to, we, but how do we get to this point in our, in our Christian walk? You say, well, I know all the scriptures. I'm quoting all the scriptures and I still don't have peace. You know, you can be at church every time the doors are open, and you can be miserable. Actually, a lot of miserable people come to church. And I'm glad they do. They need to come to church. I'm not saying they don't. But I believe the biggest mistake the church has made over 2,000 years is that we equate attending church to being an overcomer and and victorious believer. We equate just coming to church to living in victory. That's not the way it works, guys. Going to school doesn't make you a good student unless you apply yourself, right? You can yeah, just going to school does not mean you're going to you're really learning anything unless you apply yourself. Coming to church doesn't mean you're going to walk in victory unless you're applying what you receive and hear and you walk in that. And what we've taught people how to do is we've taught people how to do church. We've taught people how to do church and not how to be faith-filled, overcoming believers. You know, I think the primary purpose of the church, the primary purpose of the church is to make disciples. 
so you can go out. See, in the early church, the early church was not a centralized entity. It was a decentralized entity. People would come in, they would go out. They would come in, they would go out. And so when you come in, you're to be equipped to do the work of ministry so you can go out. And just like Anita said, she can go in, she can hear the voice of the Lord. Now, what if she said, well, I'll get up in the morning, Lord. That might have brought that woman through the night, Anita. Might have saved her life. I'll just get up in the morning. No, she might not be here in the morning. She might be checked out or she might be really checked out, right? But she spoke a word of victory into that woman's life. That's what we need to do. So everything is, church is very important. Please don't think I'm not saying that. Church is extremely important. But how many people have been to marriage conferences and you don't put anything in place that you've heard and you can't wonder, why is my marriage not any better? I've been to 14 conferences this year. And you haven't applied anything that you've learned. Well, it's the same way about walking in as a believer and, and being, let me tell you, God wants you to be victorious, prosperous, successful, healthy, and he wants you to be those living gateways where you can take the glory of God into every place you go and bring transformation. He wants that to happen. And, and you know, we have a very, very beautiful picture in Scripture, Psalm 91. Everybody loves Psalm 91, don't we? And, you know, with 9-11 being yesterday, and we've heard a lot of people in the, you know, a couple of days praying and, and pr- prophetic words, and seemed to be Psalm 91 seemed to be kind of right in the focal point of that. So I felt like maybe the Lord wanted me to to minister on Psalm 91 today. It's one of the greatest scriptures in, in the Bible, I think. Do you realize it was written a long, long time ago? It was written by Moses during the 40 years of the wilderness running around that they did. That 11-mile trek that took them 40 years. You talk about frustration. You talk about frustration. It was written to give peace and comfort in times of distress and fear. Always wondering if there's somebody's going to come on us and kill us or attack us or, or the, the animals of the wilderness or whatever. But we have to remember that this psalm is conditional. Every promise of God is conditional. That's why you can't come to church and just be walking in victory. You gotta put into place. Listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tear apart the first couple of verses, maybe first one only, and then we're gonna just look at the promises, and then I'm gonna also look at why doesn't it happen in our lives? I've been doing this for 20 years, and I'm not even better off than I was. Actually, I'm worse. Well, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. Right? It's not God's fault, it's our fault. How many of us have said we haven't done a few things right? Right. Thank God for Holy Spirit that leads and directs us on the right path. But Psalm 1 says, now this is, this is the clincher. This is the key to everything else I'm going to read to you out of the Psalms, okay? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Right off the bat, we see, okay, who is it? The person that's dwelling in the secret place. If I say to you, everybody that goes to the bank tomorrow is going to get a $100 check, are you going to go to the bank tomorrow? Or are you going to sit down on the street and say, well, I don't know where my check is. Well, it was conditional on you going into the bank to receive the check. Well, see, all the promises that are in Psalm 91 are conditional on us dwelling in the secret place with God. Now, let me just look at what a few words mean here. The word dwell means to remain seated, to abide, and it also carries a meaning of married. Married. Those that are close, those that are intimate with God, those that abide with God. If you're abiding in my house, that means you're spending the night. You're staying, right? You're not going in one minute and out the next. You're abiding in with me. You're abiding. Our dogs abide in our house, right? So they live with us. They never leave us or they never forsake us either, by the way. That's something you can learn about animals. Uh, <laughs> secret place. That word means shelter. It's a place where God has concealed you. It's a place of protection. That's the secret place. The word abide means to continue or to lodge. It's just like dwells. The word shadow is a shade cast by an object with clearly perceived boundaries. The shadow of God covers you and it has clearly perceived boundaries. It's also a place of protection. And then almighty is, that word is shaddai. You're familiar with El Shaddai. That word means it's really one with absolute power. And another translation, actually, or another uh, uh, lexicon will tell you that it also has a reference to provision. 
So they say El Shaddai is the many-breasted one. It's like a mother providing nourishment for her child. God has is the many-breasted one. He will provide for you. So let me go back here. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, I don't want to ask you who's dwelling. I want to ask you how many want to be in the secret place. Anybody? I want to be in the secret place, don't you? I want to be. Why do I want to be in the secret place? You're going to find out in just a second. Verse 2 says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and Him I trust. So what are we doing? We're making the declaration now because I abide in this place. Now I can declare these things. So you can't declare the things if verse 1 doesn't happen. You can't declare all I'm getting ready to tell you unless you're in verse 1. You can say, amen, that's me. And it's the qualifying condition. is someone who abides in that place of protection, hidden away by God from the circumstances of the world and living within the boundaries established by that place in God. See, quoting scripture without really having relationship is, is like it's like mentoring. It's, it's, it's a men, or quoting um, the alphabet. Anybody ever learned a foreign language? In seminary, I had Greek and Hebrew, and we always learned the alphabet, right? Yeah, we always learned the alphabet, and we we learned the alphabet before we ever knew what they meant or how to put the words together. And that's kind of what happens when we just go around quoting scripture. You know, and people will put things on the refrigerator and they'll quote scripture, but their life is not, they don't have verse one in effect. My God is my fortress, but I'm out here not, he's certainly not my secret place, but I'm declaring he's my fortress where you're going to declare till Jesus comes and you're going to be left aside, right? So we have to get to that place. Relationship is what brings faith in God so that the words can be empowered in our lives. Let me tell you, the words that you speak will change your environment. The words you speak will change your environment. Don't speak what you have. Speak what God promises. You speak what God's prom- what God promises. Now we're not talking about being foolish and pretending like something. If you got if you got a sickness, you don't you don't say, "Oh, I don't have a sickness." No, my God says He's going to heal my sickness. You speak to the mountain, you get rid of. It. It has no right to be in your life. So we don't want to get foolish and unbalanced. But why do we have faith in our friends and our spouses? It's because we have relationship, right? We have history with them. We know, we know them. We know that they're faithful. We know how, how we can trust them. You ready for the promises? These are all the promises. And I'm gonna put, I switched over to the passion. These are all the promises that are for those who dwell in the secret place with God. That was cute. Listen to this. He's going to rescue from you from the hidden trap of the enemy. He's going to rescue you from the hidden trap of the enemy. Every hidden trap of the enemy. Every hidden trap. Anybody ever felt like you've been blindsided before? Yeah, we all probably have either been blindsided or felt like. Let me tell you, God says, I'm going to rescue you from that. He says, and I'm going to protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. Let me tell you something, when you're in the secret place with God, curses don't come on. Don't worry about curses. The causeless curse doesn't come. A curse can't happen or light until we give it authority to do that. Okay? So quit worrying about somebody putting a curse on you. It's going to bounce off like hitting a brick wall and fall right back on them. Okay, so that's when, then it says his massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You imagine a big old daddy just holding you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. When you need somebody that you can just be close with, God, I can run to you and I can hide from all of this. You see how we as believers can live above the, all the dysfunction that's going on in the world? His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. Now, a shield is a thing that wraps around you. It protects your whole body. One of the translations says a shield and a buckler. A buckler is a, is a shield that just goes on the arm, and the arms represent for influence and power. So he said, I'm going to put a shield around you, but I'm also going to protect your influence and your power. And then it says, you will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night. How many people say, I, I, I go to bed and I feel demons in my room. Well, get rid of them. I'm telling you, they will show up, but get rid of them. You have authority over them. We have them try to come in our house and we just get rid of them. In the name of Jesus, you've got to go, devil. When demonic forces try to put depression, anxiety, that's a demonic spirit, let me tell you. Get rid of it. 
Don't allow that spirit to, to take root in your life and in your mind. Don't nurse it and don't have a conversation with the devil about it. We have people say, I've been, I've been depressed since I was two. Thinking, how does a two-year-old get depressed? Somebody told her or him that she was depressed since she was two. So they've taken a lie. Let me tell you, there's a reason for these things, but the devil will feed on what it is that will support his, his accusation against you. And if he knows you have a weakness or a weak link, the devil's going to feed on that to make you feel and believe a lie about yourself. You are not depressed. You are righteous. You're excited about life, and you're a child of Almighty God. You get depressed, put on that first song we sang, my new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Nor have a fear, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. You see, fear is not even in our dictionary as a believer. Don't fear a thing, whether by night or by day. Demonic danger will not trouble you. Nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. So much of what's going on is demonically originated, induced. So much of what's going on. you got to know who you are. Jesus, I've given you authority over all the demonic powers. And they can't touch you unless you allow it. Unless you give them authority. So don't fear a thing. Demonic powers and dangers will not come near you day or night. Even in time of disaster, with thousands and thousands being killed, you're going to remain unscathed and unharmed. Are we living in a time of disaster now? Now, that doesn't mean don't be foolish. I've told you before. You know, this virus we're dealing with is a real thing. Don't be foolish. But don't walk around scared to death. You're going to die tomorrow. You know, and if you have special needs, you know, do what you got to do to protect yourself. God expects us to use our brain, right? He expects us to use our brain. But when a thousand are falling, and don't focus on the thousands that die or, or they said they died from that. Who knows what they really died from? What do you do? You focus on the fact that God says He's the Lord God who heals every disease. Every disease. He says, You're going to remain unscathed and unharmed. You'll be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment. I'm telling you, we're going to look and we're going to see some of this evil that's in this land perishing. We're going to see it with our own eyes, let me tell you. There's a lot of evil in this land. For they will be paid back for what they have done. I don't want to be on God's payback list, do you? I don't want to be on God's payback list. Let me tell you one thing. I just want to clear up one thing right here. I don't care what you did before you walked in here today. I don't care what you've done in your past. It's in the past. And the devil wants to bring it up and make you feel like that you're a loser. Oh, you just, you've gone too far. You know, you can't do, you know, God's, God's going to be angry with you. No, God says that what? What sin? It's under the blood. What sin? Don't let the devil beat you up over your past. But just one thing, make sure it's in your past. If you're still living it today, then you've got a reason to be concerned. But if it's in your past, it's in your past. When we live our lives within the shadow of God most high, our secret hiding place will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? See, what happened is this nation no longer is in a secret place with God. This nation got attacked by the enemy because the nation chose not to be in the secret place with God. God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. You'll walk into a trap and they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. I'm gonna, I'd ask Terry if he thought it was okay if I gave a testimony. Forty-something years ago, and many of you know I was married to a person who was an abuser, an alcoholic, unfaithful, I mean anything you name, it was there. We got married, born again, got married, Terry and I did. And so this other one decides he's going to call and make all kind of threats. You know how people that are drinking do. They, they feel like they're stronger. They feel like they're the big hulk or Goliath or something. And so, uh, of course, it didn't really concern us. But we began to pray Psalm 91 around our family. Because they always threatened he was going to come and snatch the kids. And so we began to pray Psalm 91. So a few days later, uh, I got a call from my friend who worked for the local newspaper at the time and said, have you heard about, you know, I won't even call his name. He's not living today, by the way. And I said, no, I'm not looking to hear from him, you know. She said, oh, no, he was in an accident yesterday. 
and he lived in South Carolina. He was coming up through Mount Pleasant, Cool Springs Road, and said the car just flipped over, broke his neck in two places. And he was paralyzed for the rest of his life from his shoulders down. He had some use of his hands. He told my cousin, I was coming to get the kids. That's what he told my cousin. Well, let me tell you, let me back up one thing. So before she called me, I was on my job, and the Lord said, go get the kids and put them in your, in, we had we been married two months, in the condo. And I argued with God. I think, well, they're in the middle of school. Why would I do that? And so it kept on and on. And finally, I left and went and got them, put them in the condo. I said, whatever you do, do not open the door. I had no idea what it was about. Nothing happened. Go to work the next day. Everything's fine. I'm thinking, well, I guess I just was oversensitive. Then I get the call from her. He told my cousin I was coming to get the kids. Let me tell you one thing. God, if you're in the secret place with God, God will send his angels. And I'm telling you, I pity the person who comes against you. Because I remember saying to this person, you need the Lord. And he says, I don't need God. And it was like ice water went through my veins. I don't need God. I hope and pray that before he died, he found God. But let me tell you. I pity the person who comes against the person who's hidden in the high, in the secret place. Because God does not play games, and he will not allow you to be destroyed or harmed in any way. And then this is what the Lord says. This is the Lord speaking back. And this is what the Lord is saying to each one of us. Because you love me and delighted in me and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray. And you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with full life and with all that I do for you. For you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. This is the promise. God is now speaking back. This is what I'm going to do for you if you're in that secret place. If you're in that secret place. As I said, this was written by Moses 40 years in the wilderness, thousands of years ago, five, six, and whatever, four, four or five thousand years ago. What about today? Are you dwelling in the secret place with God? Are you dwelling in the secret place with God? Well, let me see what Jesus, did Jesus have a secret place? John 15, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Look at how many times he says remain. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask anything you want and it will be granted. What's he talking about? He's talking about that constant abiding, that secret place. And then he goes on to say, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. So how do we know if we're a real disciple? Are we producing fruit for the kingdom? What does our fruit look like? This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved you. Remain in my love. And when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy, peace. Yes, your joy will overflow. I tell you, people need joy today. You know, the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? You can turn sicknesses into healing just by the joy of the Lord in your life. And we have to understand that the vine produces everything that the branches needs. And if if the vine is sick, which Jesus is our vine and he's not sick, the branches will wither. If the branches are taken off of the vine, the branches will wither. And only in remaining in that place of intimacy can the branches be strengthened and nourished and bring in much fruit. Okay, so what? how do we stay on the vine? How do we stay in that secret? How do we get into that secret place? Now, I'm going to give you the other side of this, okay? I'm going to give you, I don't, you know, I give you all the promises, okay, but why aren't the promises in my life? I'm going to tell you why they might not be, but but remember, whatever happened before you came in here is past. So regardless of where you are at this point, this is the moving forward, okay? But I would be remiss if I didn't tell you how you get kicked out of the secret place or how you no longer are attached to the vine. 
John 14, 15 says, if you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. John 14, 21, those who accept my commandments and love them are the ones who love me. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones that love me. If we don't obey the commandments of God, we don't love Jesus. Right? You can say if a spouse is unfaithful to their spouse, you can say, oh, well, I love you. I just happen to have all these other friends on the side. But you really don't love them if you're not honoring the vows, right? There's no love there. You're playing a game. And the marriage isn't going to last or it shouldn't, right? John 14, 23 through 27. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the Father, the Son. We're in Him. We're in the secret place with God because we love Jesus, and we are obedient to His Word. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. It's that simple. If you love your spouse, you're faithful. If, you don't lo- if you're not faithful, you don't love them. That's all there is to it. You can explain it away all you want to, but if you don't love them, you're not, you know, if you don't faithful, you don't love them, right? That's the way it is. Someone can say, I love to learn, but I don't want to study. You don't love to learn. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me, the same Father who gave them to Moses back 4,000 years earlier. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you, but when the Father sends the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. I'm leaving you with a gift, the peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. So here we go. He's, he's tying together our peace with our obedience and our love for him. That's what keeps us in the secret place. And I'm going to tell you, so many today in the church, we've listened to a doctrine of demons that tells us that the church is okay to embrace the culture of the world. It's going to kick you out of the kingdom. It's going to kick you out of the, out of the secret place. It's going to get you unattached to the vine. The ways of the world are not the ways of the kingdom of God. And you can choose. You either want the world or you want the kingdom of God. I want, how many want the promises of God? Don't you want all those promises that was in Psalm 91? Right. Does that mean I'm never going to make a mistake? Let me, I can assure you you're going to make another mistake. I can assure you that. But let me tell you what God says. He says, if you do, he says, I'm faithful and just to forgive you if you will confess and repent. So he knows where he knows who we are. He's not saying I'm expecting you from this day forward to never make another mistake. But you better not do it on purpose. But let me tell you, even if you do it on purpose, he might give you one or two. But he's not going to give you a whole bunch of those. Those who are comfortable in their sins have never known him. That's what first John tells us. If we sin habitually, we've never known him. Okay? So I got to give you the other side of it. 1 Corinthians 6. This should, he's made it so easy for us. He just says, just don't do these things anymore and you're going to be good with me. You know, if he told you this is how you make $1,000 a minute, you're going to, you're going to do them, right? <laughs> I'd do it. $1,000 a day or a week, I'd do it, right? He'd tell me how to do it. Well, he's telling you, I'm going to tell you how you can live victoriously. Just don't do the things I'm getting ready to tell you not to do. Do you not know that the unrighteous and the wrongdoers will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Let me rephrase that. Do you not know that the unrighteous and wrongdoers will not inherit or have any share in the secret place or in the vine? Okay? Do not be deceived or misled. You see, a lot of us think that all this immorality just happened in the 20th and 21st century. It's been going on for ages. Neither the impure and the immoral nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor those who participate in homosexuality, nor cheats, swindlers, and thieves, nor greedy gaspers, graspers, nor drunkards, nor foul-mouthed revilers and slanders, nor extortioners and robbers will inherit or have any share in the secret place of God or in the vine. So he's saying, if you're doing these things, stop doing them. Right? If you're doing these things, stop doing them. Well, I can't stop. Yes, you can stop. Holy Spirit empowers you to stop. 
Just stop. And he says, and such were some of you one time. See, we were all that way one time. Every one of us was guilty of this at one time in some form or fashion. Maybe we didn't do all this stuff. He says, but you were washed clean, purified by complete atonement for sin and made free from the guilt of sin. And you were consecrated, set apart, hallowed, justified, pronounced righteous by trusting in the name of Jesus. He's made it so great for us. Romans 14 tells us for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy. You say, well, I'm not doing some of these things. Let me ask you, are you embracing these activities in another way? What do you entertain yourself? Well, I'm not committing immorality, but are you, are you entertaining yourself with immorality? What's going into your eye gates? What's going into your ear gates? You might as well be doing it if you're watching it and being entertained by it. How about supporting these activities? Romans 1 says one of the bad things that's going to happen is if he's going to give people over to a deluded mind, he said not only are they going to do them, but they're going to applaud those who do them. See, we're applauding sin today in our nation. We're applauding sin. Now, this is going to get sticky, okay? Just be with me a minute, okay? I believe this with all of my heart. I've been saying this for decades, not in the last eight years, for decades. It's not about a party. It's about a platform. It's not about, don't get caught up in the party thing. That's the devil wanting you to do that. It's not about that. What do these people stand for? When we vote knowingly for those who sign and expand laws on abortion, we might as well be doing the abortion ourselves. We're just as guilty as the doctors. When we sign and put into office local, federal, people that tell you right up front, not only am I in favor of this, we're going to expand it, make it even broader, you're just as guilty as the one who's committing the the abortion. When we knowingly vote for those who support homosexual and transgender agendas and other sexual perversions to be taught in our school, knowing they're going to be taught in our school, we're just as guilty as those that's perpetrating the teaching. And I had this very conversation with a person running for the school board. She wanted to know why I wouldn't vote for her. I said, this is the reason. Because you're supporting an agenda that supports this and is anti-God. And she said, I would never vote for that. I said, then you need to change your political affiliation because your party is very clear on this. And if we have done this knowingly or especially knowingly, we need to repent of these actions. We have to repent of these actions. We're just as guilty. When we go in and we sit in these theaters with these filthy movies and all this others or in our home, we're just as guilty as those who are perpetrating those acts of immorality because it gets buried in our minds. Is everybody okay? And then we wonder why we don't have peace and we don't have prosperity. We don't have health because we're no longer living in the kingdom of God. We're no longer attached to the vine. We're no longer in the secret place. We're no longer a part. See, you can't live in the kingdom of the world and want the promises of the kingdom of God. We can't do that. We can't live over here in darkness and say, I want the promises of light, though, but I just want to enjoy the darkness. We can't do that. I don't have this one on a slide. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. I, 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 you know, it's amazing to me how much the Bible talks about this. Sexual immorality is right at the top of Paul's list. Impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, that's witchcraft. If you're involved in witchcraft and and uh, horoscopes and all these other things. Don't be visiting the witch on, on Union Street. I mean, that's sorcery. Seriously, I'm not making a joke. That's, that's, that's serious. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger. Well, you mean that's going to get me out of the kingdom? That's what it says here. You need to get over your anger. Anger will destroy you. I was talking to somebody this week who was done really wrong and and he said, I'm trying, I want to forgive. I said, then make a choice to forgive. I said, it's not about him, it's about you anyway. Forgiveness is for you, not for the other person because you have to, you have no choice but to forgive. You say, God, I choose to forgive. Now I ask you to help me to forgive that person. And we've talked about forgiveness many times in here. Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, 
wanting what someone else has, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Very clear. Now, I'm going to sew you back up before we leave, okay? I beat myself. I mean, you know, I say this happens. I mean, I always <laughs> preach to myself first before you. One more, one more wound slicer, and then I'm going to sew you up, okay? I'm just giving you the word of God. <laughs> Ephesians 5 says, here again, right at the top of Paul's list, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Listen to these obscene stories. You know, somebody, on, if you're working in a job with a bunch of guys or gals, gals are as bad as guys, and they come up and they want to tell you a dirty joke, they should know they can't tell you that. If they tell you more than once, then you've let them know that it's okay. I tell people with gossip, that want to gossip, well, someone is always coming to me telling me stuff. I said, then why is that? They know that they're, you're an open target for their gossip. All you need to do is shut them down and say, well, let's just go talk to this other person about this. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. No immoral, impure will inherit the secret place or be attached to the vine. And it says, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled. Listen, this is, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins away. Well, it's just love. It's just love. What's wrong if they happen to be the same gender? Well, we love these people and we want, we want to tell them God has something much better for you than that. Well, it's okay because it's not really a living life. God says, I knew you, I created you in the womb. Life begins at conception, by the way. Now, I want to tell you, I want to reiterate, if you've ever been involved in abortion, that's in your past. Forget it. That's in your past. Today's a new day. Don't be fooled by those who try to make excuses. Most of the time when they're making excuses, it's because there's financial profit in it for them. Most of the time. For the anger of God will fall on those who disobey him. Don't participate in things these people do. What do you say? Don't don't do these things. Don't go support it with your dollars. Don't vote for them. For once you were full of... Let me back up. I have said, when it gets to the day that if we have two people running for president, they both support abortion, that's the day I don't vote. I'm not a party person. I'm, I believe in the principles of the Word of God. And this nation was founded on biblical principles. And I don't care if they're a donkey or an elephant. They're all donkeys to me. But, you know, they... You know what I mean. It's, my husband would have said something else. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we've got to stand for what God's Word says. We've got to stand for what God's Word says. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. So we have a responsibility. See, as light, what do we do? We expose the darkness. We walk into a place. Like I said, the people on your job should know. I don't go to them and tell the dirty joke. I'll wait until they're gone and then I'll tell you. That's the way it should be. Or I'm not going to say this word in front of you. This kind of thing. And the sad thing is we live in a world today where the church does embrace a lot of these activities and they call, they try to sanitize them as is okay by scripture and it's, it is a lie. And so we ask ourselves, where's the power of God? Why don't I have peace? Why can't I get healed? Because we cannot live in the world of darkness and expect the blessings of light. Okay, now I'm going to sew you up, okay? Colossians 1, 19 and 22. This is the promise for every one of us. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. You want to know how to get into the secret place? It's only in Christ. See, God reconciled you and I to him in Christ. It's the blood. It's the cross. That's the only thing that's going to get us to the Father. 
Coming to church is not going to get it. Signing your name is not going to get it. Stand on your head and quote scripture all day long. If Jesus isn't Lord of your life and you're obeying him, you're not going to have relationship with the Father. None of the promises are going to be ours if we're not in relationship with God. I don't care how... Jesus said there's going to be all of these that come and say to me, look at all these great things I did for you. He'll say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Only those who do what? The will of the Father. And then it says, and through him God reconciled everything. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. We're going to take communion in a few minutes. This represents the peace of Jesus. This includes you who were once far away from God, you were, who were his enemies, separated him by your evil thoughts and actions. You see the mercy and the grace of God? You can't do anything bad enough for God not to love you and, and to, to accept you if you come on his terms. You can't, I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad you've been. You could have had 15 abortions. You could have had, whatever, you could have killed people. But I'm telling you, God says it doesn't matter. Through the blood of Jesus, I'm bringing you back to me. I've reconciled you to me. And this says, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Jesus in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence in the secret place. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I don't know about you. I just think about your, think about some of the dumb stuff you've done in the past. Think about your sins. Think about the mistakes you've made. Think about the rebellion. Think about all this. And then I want you to think, you stand before him holy, blameless, and faultless. Because that's what the blood of Jesus does. Does that not make you feel incredibly appreciative? Then verse 3 says, in Christ and him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and not tell you, we need revelation knowledge today we need that knowledge we need a revelation we need to hear what god is saying to us today i want to ask you to quit listening to what everybody else is saying and just say god what are you saying to me today proverbs 2 4 and 5 says if you seek wisdom as for silver and search for skillful and godly wisdom as for hidden treasures you will understand the reverent and worshipful fear of the lord and find the knowledge of god God is incredibly wonderful. He's full of grace. Let's stand. Everyone everyone should have communion elements. If you don't, see Mr. Wayne back there. Raise your hand and he'll be glad to get them to you. And if you're watching on the Internet in some form or fashion, get your elements, even if it's potato chips and water. It's all symbolic. There's several that are watching, I know, based on the reports from Facebook that are sick today. And I want you just to think about what Jesus did for you. I want you to take your wafer and I want you to break it. Because it represents the broken body of Christ. He did this for me and for you. So that we could, I mean, he wants you healed so badly that he bore the cross for us. That's how badly he wants us healed. Now, let's not throw it away by living foolishly. Okay? So I want us to partake of the wafer and remember that this is the broken body of Christ for us. Thank you, God. I thank you for healing. Thank you for healing every person in this place, every person hearing this message. Holy God, everyone that's going to hear it. God, I thank you for it. And Lord, your word told us that your blood brought peace to our lives. And Father, we live in a day where there's so little peace. But God, we know that we look beyond the, the, the turmoil and the, and the destruction and the dysfunction and the disorder. We look beyond that and we look to you who is our peace. And it's because of the blood, Lord, that we can live in peace above the, the chaos. We can live in peace above the disorder. Because of the blood of Jesus applied to our lives. So God, we're so thankful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So let's partake of the juice. Thank you, Lord. And I'm just going to, I want us just to stand for a moment and you know, maybe I don't know everybody's situation in here. And you may have been coming to this church for years. You may have been listening or part of the church for years. But maybe you remember there's a little bit of unforgiveness in your heart. 
Or maybe you got a little bit of anger in your life. Or maybe, you know, there's a little bit of jealousy and envy. The Bible says that it's going to keep you out of the kingdom of God. Maybe there's immorality in your life. Porn addictions run rampant in the church, by the way. Oh, that's just what men do. No, not godly men. It's what women do, not godly women. You have the ability and you have the power through the Holy Spirit to put it down and let it go. You have that ability. Trusting God. And I want you just to, I just want to take a moment. I just want to have, just play the music, just quiet time. I want you just in your heart to speak to God. If you want to come to the altar, that's up to you. God can reach you where you are. Just take a moment and ask God to search your heart. God, search my heart. David said, show me my secret sins. See, sometimes we've pushed it down so far, or we've been told, we've been told lies. Oh, that's okay. God's okay with that. Not what his word says. I gave you what his word says. And I don't have an addendum from God saying I changed my mind. So let's just take a moment. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Bless you, Lord. God, we just stand before you as your people. Lord, I just want to say thank you for all you do for us. Thank you for divine protection. Thank you, God, for provision. Thank you for healing. Thank you, God, that you have made the way for us so many times so that you're working in the background even now in our lives. When it looks hopeless by natural eyes, God, our eyes can see beyond the hopelessness. And we know, mighty God, you're working in the background on our behalf. Thank you, God, for that. God, I pray that you pierce every heart in this place, every heart listening by Facebook, YouTube, whatever venue they're looking. Father, I pray that you pierce our hearts. The Holy Spirit, you said you came to convict of sin. Lord, I'm asking you, don't let me get by with anything. Convict of sin, God. I want to be in that secret place. I want everyone in this place, everyone listening, to be dwellers of the secret place. I want them to be heirs of the promises of Psalm 91. That they don't have to fear demonic attack. They don't have to fear sickness. They don't have to fear traps of the enemy. They don't have to fear false accusations. We break the power of the enemy in Jesus' name. God, convict us. Lord, because we know with conviction you bring hope. God, you're waiting there, just waiting for us to look up to you and say, God, I need your help. Forgive me. God, I thank you for that. I thank you, God, for the blood that washes us so clean. Thank you, God, for that. And Lord, we so, so appreciate you. Thank you, Lord. We can't say thank you enough. We cannot say thank you enough. Thank you, God. Let's just take a moment and say thank you. Thank you, God. Lord, we just so appreciate it. Thank you, God. Lord, we don't take lightly what you've done for us. Thank you, God. Thank you for Holy Spirit that will nudge us when we're going in a wrong direction. That will say, don't do that. Don't follow that path. Don't listen to that. Thank you, God. We need that, Lord. We won't walk perfectly until we see you. Then we'll be perfect. We have Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. Thank you for Holy Spirit. Thank you for the promises of health and prosperity, God. Thank you that every life in this place, God, can be a life redeemed and a life that's victorious. Thank you, God. You know, we believe in this church a lot in the marketplace and outside our community. We believe a lot in the marketplace. And I believe God has called more people to the marketplace than he's ever called to a pulpit. Because your pulpit is your marketplace. It's the marketplace. And I believe that God wants to establish people even in here or listening, but some in here maybe, into a place of prominence in the community. To where you can be influential and you can bring transformation into the city. You can have a story of where God brought you from to where God has taken you, to a place of success and prosperity. You can be an influencer, an influencer. 
God wants to do that in our lives. So God, I thank you. Lord, let it be. Let it be, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, God. Let's put that, la- that first song on that we sang. Team, how about leading us in that, will you? Yeah. Got a new name written in glory, and it's mine. Yes, it's mine. I want you to celebrate the goodness of God before you go out of this place today. Change me, darling. 